This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and we're sitting here in the Hercules pub in Lambeth North, directly opposite the station. Absolutely TV tremendous, fantastic pub if you've never been here, listen to it, proper lively here on a Wednesday night and it gets very, very lively here. So if you're ever in town, check this place out, they take very, very good care of you. My name's Billy Grant and I'm sitting here with a load of chums and a little bit of a rival sitting in the masses as well. We'll talk about them in a bit, like I said. Billy Grant sitting here, and I've got Dave Laney Lane in the house. Laney, how are you doing? I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. Very, very buzzing after last night. Uh, what, a, what a win at Swansea, mate. What a win at Swansea. We'll talk about that a lot, but yeah, it's put a big smile on my face. Smiling there in the corner there, we've also got the man with the stats, the XG, Dave. Dave, how are you doing? I'm good, Billy. Hi, yeah. How are you doing? Thank you. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Second in Laney, very buzzing. Great performance last night, and uh, I think we're going to talk the death off that one. Exciting stuff. Indeed. People are talking about Welsh activity, and we'll come on to that in a little bit. But also, we've got an enemy in the midst. We say sitting in enemy territory, but we're not, because we're in south-east London. So this is not enemy territory, but we've got an enemy sitting among us. But he's actually a chum, a pal, a QPR chum. We've got Gareth from Ranger Things podcast and radio show in the house. Gareth, welcome onto the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, great hospitality in uh, South East London, neutral territory. So good to be here. We did think of going to Rangers at that territory and taking your end, but we thought you might get a bit upset. Always, always. Uh, can anyone come and take our end that's not from West London? There's only one team in West London, so you're more than welcome to try. Listen, we'll give you that one for now, mate. We'll come on to that a little bit later. But look, tell you something. Hold on a second. What's that noise? On Brentford Hope. He's absolutely cantering on the inside as they race down to the bottom of the dip. Now they reach the rising ground. And Jamie What's Spencer on Brentford Hope oh, is just kidding him along Hold now. On. And now he just shakes the reins briefly. And he's quickening up in really good style. And you've got to say, this is a very, very impressive debut by Brentford Hope. Wins by about six lengths. Princess Bride are very in favour, second and third. And Great Ascent was well held in fourth. <laughs> Horsey noises and all sorts. What's, what's been going on? I thought this is meant to be a football podcast. Tell you something, you can hear her all up and jumping. You know, this season we haven't, we've, we've been up and down. We've come onto this podcast sometimes, it's been really difficult to talk about anything because the results the previous Saturday have really got us down. But we have to say, Saturday, Millwall came to town. And if you do, check out the radio show on Love Sport Radio, 8 till 9 o'clock on prideofwest.london. We've got Laney and we've got also, um, it, was, uh, it was in the house. Who? I don't know. Robin. 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 That's right, Robin. <laughs> Robin. Well, I got Robin's name wrong the other day as well, so right. we actually forgot his name completely then. Well, the Robin Hood's in the house with Laney, and they talked about the Millwall game and all sorts of other things. So check it out, Brother West London. But we were like seven minutes 
away from defeat against Millwall. Then bang, bang, bang. And then fifth minute of extra time, we scored the winner with Ollie Watkins. So that was fab. And then Tuesday night, we went to Swansea. And I have to admit, a lot of Brentford fans were really down about Swansea because they played some great football. And every time they played us, they've given us a right good tonking. All right, good bashing, even though even the Swansea fans, and I spoke to Stephen Carroll, SOS fanzine today, and uh, I was chatting to him, he's done a little piece about their derby on Saturday, and he said to me, to be fair, you deserved it, because we played you a couple of times, and you deserved to get a bit more out of those games than you did beforehand. So we went up to Swansea on Tuesday and bashed 3-0 with us in performance, and we're going to talk about it in a bit, which is sublime. But to tap it off, today, at the races, a horse called Brentford Hope, some Bees fans out there thought, let's put some money on it at 8-1 to one or even 9-1. to one. And what happened, Laney? Well, I've got to take my hat off to, to Phil Perkins, one of the, one of the Besotted crew, one of the, uh, one of the Globe crew. He, he, he WhatsApped us and he said, Brentford Hope, put some money on it. I didn't, but I did tweet it. And uh, I reckon about a dozen Brentford fans have, have, have made some decent money out of it today. Phil, Phil earned 50 quid himself, uh, and that paid for his day out yesterday, last night at, at, at the uh, Liberty. And there's a lot of Brentford fans that come on to our Twitter feed today and said, thanks for the tip. Um, we made 15, 20, 30, 45 quid. So, yeah, so we, I'm going to have to look out for that horse. doesn't mean it's going to win every time, but... Yeah, so obviously on the back of last night's win, a Brentford horse winning, you know, a hat-trick. What was the third thing in that you would look for? Probably mm, a win at QPR. Oh, listen, let's not start. Let's not get, let's not, let's not, let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves now. <laughs> you know, let's let the, whole, the horse has bolted, yeah? But anyway, listen, we need to go back. Before we start looking forward to QPR, let's go back. Let's have a look at last night's game. Let's talk about last night's game when we went to Swansea and we beat Swansea. But it's not only the fact that we beat Swansea, it's just what has happened in and around Brentford over the last few days. We've also got Gareth here as well, who they played Swansea and QPR played Swansea. So we're just going to talk about Swansea, Brentford, QPR and the Championship. Brilliant, absolutely fantastic 72 or so hours for Brentford. We're sitting here in the boozer reflecting on, well, just... (laughs) It's just such a brilliant feeling it is when you've won a couple of games, you've been playing some really good football and you've had a bit of luck on your side as well. And if you listen to Pride of West London, you'll see that I actually nabbed the director of football, Rasmus Ankerson, as he was coming out of the game. We walked down the street, we talked for quite a long time about a lot of Brentford things, a lot of Brentford issues. And uh, he spoke very, very succinctly, very, very clearly. He, he, he was really calm and he, and he made people understand exactly where he's coming from we questioned him or questioned him on a number of things on the xg and the stats that they use about the players that we've got about selling malpay and the fact that a lot of people thought that without malpay we're in a lot of trouble and he explained their thinking and i tell you what was really interesting obviously we played swansea on tuesday night and uh, a lot of the things that rasmus was talking about it seemed come to play on a tuesday night just like that you know, we played great football for once. We actually played with some speed. We played. We, we didn't give the ball away nearly as much as we've been doing. The players seem to be coming into their own. It's almost like he's saying they need to gel. And they gelled even more. Buemo, who's our record signing beforehand, he's been off and on. But he looked like a man on fire. Ben Rama looked like the player that we've always seen him is going to be. And uh, it was really great. And I think what comes out of this, listen, it's not being evangelistic, but it's kind of like 
there's one thing the club does, and it, you know, I get frustrated, Laney gets frustrated, around here we all get frustrated. What the club does is that they stick to their guns and they say, this is what we're going to do. And even if things look like they're not going right, they just carry on with it. They don't, they don't change. So they change. They say, oh, everything's fine, you know, we're doing all right. We haven't scored the goals, but we're doing all right because they feel that eventually, when the jigsaw puzzle, all the pieces go into it, it will click and we'll be on fire. And that is exactly what happened on Tuesday night. Laney? Yeah, there's, there's a few things that he, that, um, that he mentioned in that interview. And it was a really, really interesting chat you had with him. And one of the things that he, he said that really resonated with me was the fact that it's his job and it's the, the DOF's and the coach's job to kind of like separate chatter and, and what's noise from what the club should be concentrating on and 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 they they are very set in their vision and they they're not going to be distracted from it from a couple of couple of results not going the way that we want and you know it's very it's really difficult you know as fans and and we're not knocking fans because you know we we obviously do get het up and we get frustrated it's our money it's our saturday it's our weekend and you know we put a lot of effort into following our team home and away, and you you, you want them to win. You know? but we, you know, you obviously need to understand the bigger picture as well. And it's sometimes it's just nice to, to hear it set out exactly the way he did, because it's really easy to understand. And it, it, it's, there was no bullshit. I, I didn't think there at all. It's not about being brainwashed into seeing it any other way, but sometimes you do need to, you know, understand their young players coming in from a different country into a different setup and into a, a most the most rigorous league in in the world probably and it's going to take a little bit of time and you know serendipity is that you you spoke to him after a, a turnaround turnaround game against Millwall and then we go to um, the, the Liberty on Tuesday in a fixture that I don't think anyone thought we were going to get anything out of and we not only win but we win with a clean sheet and three world-class goals so you know it does show you how on a knife edge things are sometimes just when you think oh my god this could be a terrible season all of a sudden we're we're full of the joys of spring again xg i mean yesterday's performance was was brilliant i mean everyone was raving about a lot of the players a lot of the the question marks that we had about some players i know people had question marks about Wemo, a lot of question marks about Ben Rama and his attitude. There's a lot of question marks flying around, but a lot of those were answered yesterday, weren't they not? Yeah, they were definitely answered, yeah, pretty emphatically. I think another one as well, Billy, a lot of question marks about Jensen. So I've, uh, I've not been the biggest fan of Jensen at the moment. I think he's kind of been coasting through the first sort of period of games. But I think what you saw last night was bringing in Josh De Silva from the start was really, really impressive. It, Jensen's, Jensen has been coasting. I think he's a little bit of a fa- a little bit of a favourite, probably within the house. He costs a lot of money. They've got to play him. But is he the best? Is he the best person to come in and be the best sort of player for this unit? I'm not sure he is. And I think Josh De Silva showed last night that I think Jensen needs to get his place back. To me, that looked like the best midfield pair, uh, triple we had there: De Silva, Makocho, and Norgard. That was the group that was really, really good. And they they were the ones that dominated the game to get the ball to Memorama and uh, enable those guys to play. It's interesting because I talked about a few goals. I talked about with Rasmus about XG. I know a lot of people go, oh, good, here you go again. But it's interesting because we talk about that you've got to create certain chances. 
you know, get closer to the goal, create the best chances possible and you can score them. You shouldn't be scoring goals from, you know, or trying to score from outside the area because they should be wasted. Interestingly, we're going to talk about that about QPR as well because Mark Warburton seems to have taken on the same sort of theory. However, against Millwall, two of the goals were scored which were technically... Uh, lesser XG as they call it there were basic chances that could have gone anywhere but they went in the back of there but also at Swansea we had a couple of chances there as well um, Ben Rama who scored a fantastic goal as well and also Bremer who scored the last goal as well which technically again aren't textbook Brentford goals because they didn't come in the area where we normally do now interesting because I spoke to Rasmus I said you know pointed that out and he says you know maybe in effect we need to mix and match it up a little bit and do you think we're not saying because of us that because what we said is going to happen but do you think that Brentford are thinking we we do actually have to be a little bit riskier in what we do and we don't necessarily have to walk the ball in the back of the net and that's actually helped I think it's about making the right decisions in the right situations and, and I think they did that last night uh, I, 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 you know Ben Rama why would he you know he, he, he clearly it set up you know the ball was sitting there begging to be curled into that top corner he'd had his two touches outside the area taking it inside curling it into the top corner was the, the only thing to do not he, wasn't, he shouldn't be squaring it to someone else in the six yard box and then when Brian Waymo like was he, he, he intercepted the ball he burst through from the halfway line he cut, he cut inside and cur- curling it in was the sensible thing to do you know pr- 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 there, was no, there was no one else on anyway so you know it's about making that right decision and it, and it shouldn't really matter about um, how far out from goal you are you know yeah it's going to be a lower XG but we know, we, we're not going to live and die by that obviously it's a barometer but you know, you're not going to say oh, I'm not going to shoot here because I'm not going to get quite high you know the rating of that of my shot is not going to be good we don't want players thinking about it you just want to make in the right decisions in the right situations and they did that Laney's made a brilliant point there. So we obviously go on about XG and getting these shots in really close. But decision-making in players is something that can't be picked up by things like XG. So they know. So Ben Rama, as he was floating in a little bit closer for that curler against Swansea, he knew that they gave him just too much space. So he had a couple of sighters in the last few games and he was getting his range. But if you think back to Hull when he got that hat-trick, just inside the area a little bit, he was just... I mean, he had a really great footwork. But that curler into the top corner, he's got a little bit more... He's got a little bit more talent there, probably letting him on there. And uh, yeah, talk about low XG, but those those players have extra skill and they know at that moment when it's right to do that. And that's where you've got to sort of separate that stuff out. So, yeah, exactly right. And there is no metric for personal XG. So you, you've got you've got a um, you've got a defined you've got a defined zonal XG that is almost like you know how the the, the analysts see the game, but a player knows. He knows at that split second that that ball is going to probably go in the net. And it wasn't a wild lash from 40 yards where everyone goes, whoa, you know, it was, it was going to go in. And, uh, you know, it was the right thing to do. So. I mean, again, and, and the thing you're right here, because at the end of the day, a lot of it is down to, and this is the whole thing where it starts getting confusing, because you say don't take a shot from outside the box because you're less chance to score. But the fact is it depends on how good a player you are. You have a look at what was going on at Derby last season. Listen, they were scoring goals for fun from like 30 yards, 35 yards because the players, they had the players to do it. And this, I think, is part of the issue is that, you know, I've been watching some, you know, I don't watch a lot of Premier League football, but I was watching some Premier League football live 
you know, fairly recently. I was looking on the pitch and all of a sudden it's like, I've, they scored a couple of goals and I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. The control and the, the killer instinct was like second to none from what we've seen. And there's a chance one-on-one with the keeper and I know that if it was us, and God bless Ollie Watkins and everything like that, he shoots that goal, three times out of ten he would have scored. The other seven times he probably would have missed. That's not because he's a bad player, that's because it's Ollie Watkins who's developing in our division. So that's part of the reason why we talk about this when you're taking these chances, where we don't necessarily score these chances where if you had a much, inverted commas, better striker, much more lethal striker, you create exactly the same chances that we're creating, bang, it's back in the back of the net. So it's not, it's not an issue, it's just kind of what we have to deal with. But it's interesting because I'm coming back to Swansea now. Swansea are a good side. Last season, they're a very good side. They took the pot and went over to Brighton and he went off and I thought Swansea are going to slump but to be fair to them they've maintained their levels to a certain extent and they were if I remember rightly at the top of the division at one time and uh, we know I've got Gareth Fair from Ranger Things in the house here and they played Swansea a bit earlier in the season now how was Swansea for you when Rangers played you? Yeah, when Rangers played them? Yeah, we played them fifth game in, uh, and well, I mean, well done to Brentford last night. We haven't won down there since 1981, so it's not an easy place to go and get a victory. When we played them earlier in the season, it was whoever won went top of the league. Um, we went one 0 down in the first half, came back into the game, had some chances, and drew level one all. Um, and then someone you might know quite well in Barbe uh, gave away a stupid penalty four minutes later, and then we went on to do, they scored the pen. We lost three one, and I think it's the psychology of that decision-making from Barbay kind of took the game away from us. But Swansea were decent. They, we know what you're going to get from Swansea. They're going to play football. Um, they're they're going to get the ball down and play. And Cooper's coming and taking that on from Potter, and that's been there since Rodgers. So you know what you're going to get. It's a difference about getting a result against them. They're a handy side in this league, and they've, they've recruited quite well. Um, they've got some money in, obviously. They've sold on McBurney and whatnot. But, and they've got some of their bigger signings back into it. But... It, the championship at the moment, I think there's not many teams that you don't think you can get a result against. You know, the West Broms are up there in the leads and stuff, but everyone else, they're there for the taking, home or away. And I think that's what makes the league either exciting, but also a little bit weak as well. And um, yeah, I think Swansea deserved to beat us on the night in the end of it, but Rangers did quite well against them, where teams that dominate possession, Rangers don't normally do, but... That's the style that we've got now in the Warburton and it's uh, it's quite refreshing. But possession doesn't win your football match at the end of the day. It's goals, and you know I think you proved that last night with two quick goals that took the game away from them, and then cement that second half. It's an interesting one. I mean, first of all, I'm going to make the point. I'll come to the XG man. We're not we'll talk about XG as such, but we'll just talk about opportunities and chances. We've talked so much about the fact that Brentford play. And again, last season we played beautiful football. The ball's been passed around. Now oh, we do all these things. Bang! We end up losing. We end up drawing. And, you know, all these stats come in and we, we're better than everybody else. Use that XG thing, we're better than them. But we don't get the results. This has happened so much. Interestingly, yesterday, against Swansea, it was actually reversed. Where Swansea actually had a slightly better, as they call it, XG. They had created, overall, better chances than us. But we had put the chances away, which is something that we've turned around and we said, this is what we want to be in. We would much rather be a team that just basically doesn't have you know isn't at the top of the Justice League or whatever they call it with all these chances that they create that we don't score can't we be at the bottom but just score every single chance that comes to us and and, and, and Tuesday night we actually delivered we were properly clinical which is where we want to be isn't it? Yeah I mean I'd take that Billy yeah, yeah bottom of the XG League top of the actual league would be quite good 
and to get lucky once. But yeah, no, you're exactly right. So we've, we're always about the process of making it look beautiful and creating the chances. But efficiency has been poor and we're, yeah, we're, we've always been like a high volume team, lots of shots, but goals have just never matched up with how many shots we've had or the quality. So what we're doing now a little bit, it looks like Frank sort of eased us back a little bit and we're not quite as, uh, we're not quite as, we're not quite as shot happy. We're a lot. Of, we're, we've we've eased back a little bit. But if we can actually start getting a bit more goals out of these shots, we're onto something really, really interesting. But you, you know, you're perfectly right. Last night was a time for us to to switch the XG completely up. It was always it was, normally we'd be the ones that we'd be a Swansea basically last night. We'd dominate the XG. Well, not dominate, but sort of win the XG, and uh, we'd be the ones on the back of a two-one loss or a three-one loss. We wouldn't understand why. And yeah, maybe maybe Frank. This is what maybe we give him some credit. This is what he's doing, and maybe we are we are switching it up a little bit, and he's trying to bring us back and be a bit more of an efficient team instead of this instead of this. Well, the old Ben Mayhew, energetically wasteful. We're a little bit more just. Just energetic, <laughs> something like that. Blaney, I've got to ask you a question as well. Um, midfield, you well, know. Can I, can I just say, they lost, get over it, Swansea snowflakes. <laughs> okay. Um, listen, I'm going to say as well, we, um, midfield, we, we've switched up the midfield today and, 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 and also we flipped it. Well, no, we've been flipped back to 4 you know, four three three. We've changed our style of football as well. We've been... We've talked about this quite a lot over the weeks, but I think it's quite a good time to, to talk about this because we played Swansea, who are a good team. First of all, do you think that Swansea, you know, we benefited from playing Swansea as in their style of football and that kind of really helped us in that game? What do you think? Yeah, Swansea are a really expansive team and they're, they're obviously always going to have a good game against us. And even the game in the FA Cup, um, you know, back in, back in January, February, whenever it was, um, we were obviously 1-0 up at the break and we, we played some good stuff and then they destroyed us in the second, second half. In the league game, they, they actually just destroyed us. But um, we are quite a good match in terms of the way that we go out and we will kind of approach the game. Um, so, yeah, if we, if we, they, they, they weren't going to stick 18 men behind the ball and try and park the bus. It was always going to go toe-to-toe with us. And I, and I, the analogy with a boxing match is, you know, in a, if you go toe to toe with anyone in a boxing game, you, you might win it, but you're all, you're obviously going to get, a, you're going to take a few blows as well. And we did last night. Um, we we could have gone one or two and it was down actually. You know, they had a couple of really good chances, and then once we started to click, once we once we realised that they were vulnerable in the break, our 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 our, our counter attacking football was just beautiful to watch and um, so yeah so yeah you're right Swansea was a really good it was a really good time to get them and I and I spoke to um, to Julie wasn't it from from the Julie Kizik yeah and and she you know we, we said to Julie that you know they, they seem vulnerable at the Liberty and I went once you actually sort of analyzed their record recent record at, on on home turf they they looked like fallible, and uh, and it gave it gave it gave me hope. Last year, you know, they had the, they had the beating of us. This year, you know, with with Mbuemo and um, Benrama, and you know, let, let, you know, Josh De Silva, he came into his own last night. He, he looked excellent last night, um, and Cameron Makocho, um, you know. So we, we're miss obviously we're going to miss someone like Canos. 
um, and we obviously we've gonna, we're going to miss Corellis. But we sit, we 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 we've kind of gone. Okay, that that's hurt us, but we're going to crack on without them, and we're, we're not we're not moping. And and I think that's really important for our season. We're we're getting we're getting a little bit of luck, which we did in the first 15 minutes, I think. But then we've gone. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go out, and we're gonna we're gonna, gonna we're gonna do you, and we did. And just reflecting on this, you know, just just to give a bit of a match summary as well. In this game, you know, Brentford created a high number of chances relative to their possession, which is probably, you know, which I was going to say to you is the opposite to what we normally do. We're effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities through skill of the players as well. And we created goal-scoring opportunities from through balls, absolutely great. The the, the balls that we're talking about, the, the Sawyers balls, creating those as well, strong at finishing. So, you know, we actually, the balls that we came through, bang, we put them in the back of the net. Still got caught side off, caught offside off, and which have been Swansea playing that trap as well. We had a high shot frequency in possession, and we favoured through balls and Swansea. They created goal stopping opportunity through individual skill as well, so very skillful, and through through balls as well. But they were poor at finishing, so that was probably the difference between the two sides, as they were poor at finishing, and we were good at good at finishing. But actually, Dave, I'm going to come back to this well because if you look at what we have done there creating these chances, creating the goal-scoring opportunities. There's a change of formation, which is 4-3-3, which we've been talking about for a while now, which means that we're going back to being a little bit more adventurous. Um, you talk me through that. Do you think, if this has worked, is this something that we should stick with, or should we be flipping between the four and the five? Yeah, no, it's absolutely worked. Definitely, last few games, I think we've seen it. So, I, th- I think from the beginning of this season, with the new players we've had, with Pontus coming in, good enough to play in a centre-back pairing, the midfielders, Sawyer's leaving. The midfielders we had aren't two-man midfielders. They need three in there. So I think this is something that Frank has probably been a bit slow to update, but he's got round to it now. But absolutely, this 4-3-3 is the way we should be going forward. Much, much better. And it, it suits our squad better. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely really impressed with it. But I think something, if you look at the Swansea from last year where we played them, I think we were a little bit, we kind of fell into their trap. So we were quite high. We were playing really well in the first half, but all of our players were sort of so advanced. We were on the halfway line. There's lots of space behind. We all know about the Daniel James goal that's been shown by millions of people. I mean, the space, things broke down. We were caught on the pitch. If you looked at us last night, we were sort of 20 yards deeper and we were much more conservative and we let them come onto us. And, and when we did want to push forward, we pushed forward well and we controlled. There was just, the way we moved up and down the pitch last night was a lot more impressive and we've come on a really long way. It was yeah, it's quite it was it was quite it's quite startling to see actually because we all we all thought before the game it's Swansea here we know what they can do on the break but let's be honest Swansea are a little bit weaker than last year they're not as strong as last year's side and we're a lot better defensively so we could actually sit back soak up a little bit what they had and then pick them off in devastating fashion. <laughs> I, thought, um, I thought Henrik Dalsgaard had a, a had a very um, testing first 45 minutes. Um, he, he seems to struggle against their number eleven massively, uh, and he, 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 but he, he, he adapted. And I, and I think I think he's one of those players that could do with some time off. Um, and we luckily we've got a, almost a week between fixtures, so we play Tuesday night. We don't play until Monday night at, at Loftus Road. So you know we get pretty much a week off. You know. He, he had a, he had a busy international week, you know. Um, he, he didn't have an international break. He had an international like a full fixture list. So he's come he's come out of World Cup, full season, qualifiers, qualifiers, another you know. So 
he actually he looked like he was running on empty in the first half, I have to say. Um, so, yeah, hopefully um, he'll be able to not put his feet up, but you know they'll, they'll, they won't kind of stress load him too much for the rest of this week. Uh, and he, he'll be ready to go again on Monday night. Gareth, I mean, I'm kind of coming back to you because you, like I said, you've played Swansea. You're in the top six in the league. Uh, you've seen quite a lot of teams play. And, I mean, we're going to talk about QPR in a bit, but I'm just interested because for us... We've been a bit down in the dumps because we feel that we haven't got the results that we should have done, but we didn't score the goal, so maybe we didn't deserve it. You know, So we've had a lots of ups and downs. But I'm just wondering, for you, what is your reflection on this league this season? Because everywhere we go, and everyone always says, especially Clive from Loft the Words is going, this season's even worse than last season. But I'm thinking, how could every season be worse than the previous season? Surely like, we kind of get a little bit down on ourselves. What are your thoughts? I kind of concur with Clive, really, that it is a bit of a weak league. Um, play, uh, teams are struggling now with um, financial fair play, or whatever they call it now, about trying to make ends meet. And teams are falling into a trap now where they haven't gone up and they're struggling to make ends meet. And they've rolled the dice and now they're in stuck. And, and you know, teams that have been run pretty well and have to be more sustainable because, like, like QPR, where we've, you know, we've gone to the casino, we've bet on black a thousand times and been 72 million in the hole before we've even turned round you know we now can't shop at Harrods we're down at Lidl and we're down you know we're trying to find bargains and I think more and more teams are doing that and they're looking at the business model you know we don't have good attendances at Rangers and a lot of clubs don't thrive on their match day revenue they thrive on what you've done is selling players getting players in and that's the, that's the business model that you have to do because the TV money isn't there to do it either so a couple of clubs have been bitten by the Premier League bug of trying to get in there and they're, they're, you know, they're reaping what they're sowing now you look at Derby you look at Middlesbrough they have spent big money Gary and Gary Monk Middlesbrough have spent fortunes trying to get into the league didn't happen so now what do they do and parachute money gets cut year on year, they're struggling. And this is where an opportunity is now. They're not sleeping giants anymore. They're actually right for the picking for clubs that are run well to actually have a good business model. Players that want to be there on about 10 grand, 15 grand max that are hungry for the sport of football that can go to these teams and actually show them up. And you've got fans sitting there expecting teams to do well that have got big uh, histories, big backings, but they're struggling because the teams that have been run well are now saying, you know, we've got the players, we've got the players that are hungry, and we're going to come and take it, and we are going to get into the Premier League. And we've seen it with the likes, you know, Brighton have speculated to accumulate, but Bournemouth have got in there, and that's the model where we're at, you know, and that's where we need to pitch ourselves. But um, yeah, it's an interesting season. I think outside of West Brom and Leeds, and dare I say Fulham there is opportunities for teams to break into that top six, which haven't always been there. Okay, and it's interesting, and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to go around the table as well. He's obviously Fulham, West Brom and, uh, and Leeds, so it's those three teams. Any other teams that you've seen, either live that you've played or on TV, who you're rating, who you're going to say, actually, I believe they're going to be up there, and also, what teams do you say are going to be down there? Because it's easy to say that at the beginning of the season, because everyone makes the same sort of predictions, but things changed after 12, 13, 14 games. Crikey, I think... I think down who's at the bottom is going to be quite tough. We're looking at Barnsley, who've just lost their manager. But I think down at the bottom is quite tough. I was really impressed with Bristol City, although we didn't show up on the day when we went to Ashton Gate. But a phobia who went there from Stoke, who was struggling at Stoke, got injured. And I think that's kind of kiboshed them a little bit. Preston looked look decent. I, you know, they, uh, they lost at Reading in the 98th minute. Uh, new manager bounce and all that. But 
Um, there, you know, I always look at goal difference. It always tells a lot of a team that can score goals and not concede goals. I mean, that's what football matches are won and lost on, and it tells you so much. So, you know, the likes of these teams that are a little bit like what we'd call dark horses back in the day. You know, they're not, they're under the radar. Everyone expects Leeds, Fulham, West Brom to be up there. So these other teams, and I think all West, all the three teams in West London have got a chance this year. You know, uh, Fulham, as I've mentioned, they've they've kept Mitrovic, they've kept Kearney. They're going to be a tough opposition, you know, as they get their feet under the table. Um, and we've QPR have exceeded expectations so far. So, I don't know, it's, it's, it's up there. West Brom scored us. Uh, we didn't show up on a day, as we never do on Sky. So, it's quite good at Monday night's games on Sky for you boys, um, as we didn't really against Reading. But teams are, teams are up and down, aren't they? There's no, the consistency's not there yet. I don't think those teams have bedded in, getting their feet under the table and um, getting the results they need to be pushing on. Um, down at the bottom, it's it's all over the place, isn't it? Stoke and Huddersfield have kind of shocked us a little bit, I think, in terms of how bad they've been. I think Huddersfield have they pulled a masterstroke and get the Cowleys in. Um, I can't believe it's taken so long for those boys to get to where they've got to. And that was a shrewd appointment after probably sticking with Stewart for too long. Um, and Stoke of you know, fair play to Stoke. They've, they've toughed it out on Nathan Jones, who for me is a little bit of a lunatic after his reaction at the weekend of getting a result. But... You know, he's all over the place and he comes from Luton, so what can you say? But I think that they've stuck with him, fair play, and they've got the players, pedigree-wise, but do they want it? Tough league championship, midweek weekend, 46 games as we know, so I think they'll pull away, so people need to be looking over their shoulders at the bottom, but Barnsley don't look to be doing too well at the moment, but new manager bounce might help them. Lady, I mean, give us your tops and your bottoms, it could be, you know, out the blue, just whatever. I mean, you know, without being predictable, I think you know Leeds and West Brom are, are, are going to be pushing pretty much all of the season. You know, as a as a you know as a, a lover of the you know Leeds are falling apart song, you, you hope that happens once again. West Brom probably got nothing against them whatsoever. I think they're a bit bit boring and a bit functional, if I'm honest with you. Uh, and they're, they're but they're a you know proper Premier League low, yo-yo club. You know, they, they, they seem to have got that kind of um, model off to a T uh, where they come down, they regroup, they go again and they get, you know, they get five or six years of premiership money under their belts and it puts them in a position where they're very, you know, they're, it, it, we can't really compete with them. Their buying power is massive. Uh, I, I thought Bristol City would do better than they have been. They, they seem to be struggling at the moment. I think Reading will continue to struggle. I think they've got a lot of attacking potential, but they seem to be they seem to be vulnerable. I think Barnsley are obviously they seem to be the whipping boys at the moment. Millwall, you know, I think there's enough about them maybe to survive, but it's not. It's, they're, they're not. They're not a great. They're not a great team. Um, and you know, it depends who they they get in for their you know for their next long-term manager. It's not. It isn't a fantastic division. I have to say, which gives me hope. You know, that first year when we came up, it was a very, very strong division. And we, although we finished fifth, we had some great players to help us get to that position. Uh, I think it's probably if we can get a run, if we can get a run going now, it, and we can get into that, we can cement ourselves into that playoff berth. I think we stand a good chance, if I'm honest. Listen, we've got the XG, Dave. What are you thinking? Uh, I think, yeah, I think the guys have said it. We've got the obvious ones. We know about Leeds, West Brom, Fulham, and probably us. Uh, 
there's four sides that are probably pretty strong, and I, I hate to say this and admit it, but I actually think if Warbs can stay at QPR and not get distracted, it could be QPR included in that little batch. It depends what happens in January for them, but yeah, I think there's there's probably about four or five teams that are quite strong and probably separated from the rest. And then I think you've got other really good sides. And I'd probably put Preston in there actually. I think the problem with Preston is when we when we play Preston, I think people look at Preston and think they can't play or they're they're quite defensive or they can't do anything but really we they sort of they sort of adapt to play against us and they're a very they're a very good team they know how to sort of adapt to different situations so I think Preston are really underestimated they'll be there or thereabouts for the six and uh, and Millwall who we've just played I mean I don't know how they did it but they were 2-0 up against us and uh, yeah they didn't give us too much I mean we played okay we played okay but they just know how to get results and think how they've just got in they've got Gary Rowett in so if we thought they were hard to beat before, they're going to be even harder to beat afterwards. They're going to be really strong. So there's a couple of teams to keep an eye on. I think Preston and Millwall who will probably push up other than the obvious ones that we know about, like the strong ones. And you've got any down the bottom or have you done your bottoms, have you? Yeah, the bottoms, I'd say, I think, I think Swansea. I mean, people think Swansea are great, but really young team. Yeah, Barnsley as well. I don't think Swansea are in trouble for going down, but I don't see them as going the distance. I think you'll be looking at... Well, Borough, yeah, Borough, another one. I mean, Woodgate won't last too much longer there. I think that's what's going to happen. Woodgate will go. So it'll be, yeah, probably you're probably looking at Barnsley. The other young sides that might sort of drop down. It's hard to say at the moment. I mean, Stoke should pull away. Stoke will be absolutely fine. So, yeah, it's quite difficult. Yeah, I think what we're looking at the league now, I think, is, the, is how important a manager is. You know, you're looking at West Brom, you're looking at Billich, how experienced he is as a gaffer. And you're looking at like of Woodgate at the other end who are struggling and, and we're learning that at QPR now you know Mark Warburton very well but what a difference has just had someone coming in who's got a concise plan and actually a plan so I think a lot of these gaffers they haven't got plans when they come in they rely on their reputation and their status in the game and the teams that are doing well look at Preston Alex Neal you know that's decent solid gaffers they know what they're doing they know how to get results in the championship it's not always about the players on the pitch, it's about the people off it and the teams that are struggling have got the weaker managers, I think. You've got a fair point there as well and for myself, I mean, I think that, interestingly, because I thought Leeds dead cert, but I'm actually not sure about them now. I just think they might be a little bit fragile. You know, they're at the situation where they get put a bit under pressure and they're not quite getting the results. I mean, they were losing to Preston yesterday. Okay, they got a better result than us because they got a draw and yes, they're getting all the shots but again, speaking to Zaffa, my Leeds mate, and he's just saying, just like us, they're missing a lot. Of, they're missing a lot of chances. They get a lot of opportunities. They're missing them. So I'm not sure whether or not a team like West Brom, who, as, as Laney said, are a bit boring, but they kind of just just go off and just seem to do the right things. They're functional. They've got the right players. They've got Sawyer's. They've got you know Charlie Austin. They've got all these players in there, and they've just got the right thing to do to do the right things to just get them up, which is not too flash. Bielsa, there's this whole thing about his Argentinian, yeah, Bielsa, yeah, man. But for them, they're just like functional, just get on with it, and I think they'll be there. Um, other than that, I think that Preston North End are going to be the surprise option for me, because I was quite surprised when he went up there. They're really organised, everyone writes them off, they're really tough to beat at home, and I just think that they, they will be there or thereabouts in that promotion area, which I think is, uh, is a good thing for football. On the, on, the, on the downside, or as they on the relegation side, we talked about Barnsley. I think Barnsley could or couldn't do it. Them losing their manager may be a bit of a problem, and I think that they're trying to, um, they're probably trying to do not what Rasmus Ankerson were talking about, where, you know, where um, Rasmus talked about, you're doing the same, this is what we believe we're going to do. We believe you've got the right person to do it. 
and uh, we'll get on with it. Barnsley lost a lot of players in the in the summer, including players to us. They're playing some decent football, but things weren't going quite right. But you need a bit of time to build, bring new players in. They've obviously not given him the chance at all to do that. And a lot of Barnsley fans are really upset, so maybe that might not be in their favour. But I thought, I thought Barnsley might actually get out of it. The teams for me, which I would flag up immediately, are Derby County, right? <laughs> Sounds really weird, but Derby County, I mean, they were just so shocking when we came to, they came to us. They really were shocking, and they thought they were going to be massive. They spent still quite a lot of money, even though they've tapped it back a bit. I've just looked, it's flashed up on my phone here just now that they've just gone 1-0 down to Wigan as well one today. Are oh, they 1-0 up? All right, so I've got that wrong, haven't I? So, that's not an iWatch, is it? That's right. So, uh, <laughs> that's right. So, um, anyway, Derby are going to be fantastic. Playoffs now, they're going to be yeah, brilliant. So, uh, no, Middlesbrough are the team as well. When we went up there, we were delighted that we beat them, but Middlesbrough are a shadow of the side that we've seen before. And I know it's all about gelling and new players coming in, but I just don't know whether or not um, he hasn't got quite the, the you know, he, he hasn't got the right combination going on there. And I, I've got a feeling they're going to be struggling all season. But listen, we've had a good old chat here now. We've been talking about Swansea. We've been talking about the championship. We've been talking about where possibly, oh, the team actually, which I think won't do it. I'm going to say Brentford. I'm not saying because we're Brentford fans, but I just think if you see how we played on Tuesday night there, and if we can start building on that, do that, there is absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be in the top six. And we're only four points away from it at the moment now. And I'm not saying it because, oh, it's the Brentford podcast. And, you know, you've got to talk about Brentford. But we know how good we potentially can be. We need to have a bit more of an underbelly and stick with it. Can we have a twang? You want to get a beer, don't you? Oh, and a pee. We'll have a twang for a beer and a pee. Then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about QBR. So no game on Saturday, so I think Bees fans, again, it's the DIY weekend. It's like, you know, the B&Q, it's like going shopping, it's going to maybe non-league matches, all sorts of stuff going on on Saturday because there's no Brentford game on Saturday, no QPR game on Saturday because we are playing on Monday, courtesy of Sky TV. So uh, as you probably know, there's a bit of malarkey. The QPR wouldn't sell us any tickets for the lower tier, only upper tier. And uh, on the podcast last week, I think we went a little bit mental about that. We weren't very happy about it at all. We said it was ridiculous that they're not selling lower tier tickets as well. At a lower price, 29 quid. I think the upper tier is 34 quid. But about one day after the podcast, or a couple of hours after they released the podcast, they decided to release lower tier tickets. So Brentford fans have now bought tickets for lower tier and upper tier. So we should have a decent number of fans there because at the time the podcast went out last week, I think we sold about 300 tickets or something ridiculous. So it should be fairly lively. We're playing QPR West London rivals and uh, they're doing pretty well. We've got Gareth from Ranger Things in the house here. He's uh, sitting between, there's a sort of mesh wire between us and him as well. But I've actually opened the little gap in the mesh wire so we can actually chat to him. And Gareth, listen mate, I want to know exactly What's going on with your team this season? Because you've got a new manager, who we've heard of, can't remember where from, and you're actually playing some half-decent football and you're up there in the playoff zone. Does that mean you're looking for a championship survival or are you going to actually looking at the Premier League? No, I, I think we've tempered up options and optimism to think that top half is good enough for us at the moment. Listen, the start of the season, having Fulham and Brentford in the same division as us, never really ends well so we didn't expect to start this well we didn't expect to be the top team out of three I have to admit Warburton's done superbly you know the recruitment's done well he's got players like Naki Wells who we had last year back into the club on loan who look completely different so whatever he's doing is going well I think he's in um, 
inherited a great coach in John Eustace, who I thought could have been a, you know, could have had a job. Uh, he's got people in the background like Chris Ramsey, who is polishing these youngsters, like Eze, um, who everyone's kind of talking about at the moment as the next big thing. So we are, yeah, pleasantly surprised. I think is the is the the term at the moment because we didn't expect this. We've had years of tosh at Rangers. Let's be honest. We have bad managers. We have mismanagement off the pitch. We've been a laughing stock, and we we know that. And it's not been good to to have seen a club like Brentford be managed so well because we understand the business of football, uh, and we've got big aspirations: new training ground, new stadium. But fans want to see teams do well on the pitch. Players do well. Players want to be there, and somehow Warburton has just done that from the off, and it's it's, it's a little bit of a miracle, really, because. We were miles away last season under McLaren. I mean, we were an embarrassment at times. And he's done so well. Um, we're, just, we're just waiting for that bubble to burst, I think, is a bit of the, is the, is the feeling. But that's the QPR way, you know. We do, you know, it's uh, gallows humour. And, um, yeah, I think we got, we, the, the, the expectations got tempered against Reading last night um, after a great result at Hull. So, yeah, it'll be interesting on Monday because um, I don't fancy us, actually. It's interesting. That, I mean, just looking at your, just looking at, as they say, the characteristics of QPR. So at the moment, you, 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 you know, you take long shots. You know, you, you, you place those through balls through that you actually score goals from. You're actually good at coming back from losing positions. Uh, you're half decent at free kicks. Um, you create scoring chances, and you steal the ball from the opposition. I mean, those strengths. I mean, what, what the difference is that from last season, and, and, and why? I think. Warburton's implemented a style that players can get behind. He's in, implemented a, a kind of happiness around the place that players want to be there. And I don't think that was always the case. McLaren was very dour, you know. Um, and we've had some, we, you know, Holloway was is madcap, as we know. So I don't think players come in knowing what to do under Ian Holloway. Under McLaren, it's like, let's just not lose. Hasselbank, let's not lose. With, Mc, uh, with Warburton, it's like, let's be brave. Let's go and score more goals than them. Let's go in the front foot. If we're 1-0 up, let's not defend. Let's go and get some more. And I think the style of players we've got, the Naki Wells, the Abriche Easies, the Bright SA Samuels, that's what they want to do. They don't want to be digging in. Um, but you said there, we win, win back possession. Like, Easy's this big, talented player. But my God, does he work hard to get the ball back, you know? And we've had players like that in the past, like Tarabden, it was always their biggest criticism. Oh, he's a flash Harry, he doesn't do his work, you know, but Easy's doing that. So I think that comes from a belief in the manager. They believe in what he's saying. John Eustace has said it's there already, you know, Neil Banfield. And these guys are obviously doing some stuff on the training pitch and it's coming out and they're implementing things that players believe in. And that's, if you haven't got players buying, players can be a little bit uh, diva-like. If they don't believe in the gaffer, they're down tools. And we've had that time and time again at Rangers, but these boys are not earning big money. And they need to play. They're playing for their careers. They're playing for their reputation, and they're playing for their futures. And that's that's alien to QPR. You know, we've brought in players like Samba, you know, twelve and a half million, and Julio Cesar and hundred grand. And it was just never the QPR way. And it was a bit foreign to us, you know, metaphorically speaking, and actually foreign as well. But it's not like that now. You know, he's got players that believe in themselves, and I don't know what they're doing on the training ground but they're buying into it they're happy to be there they're playing for the badge and they're playing for the gaffer which is which is new so yeah we, we've lucked in I think he was the perfect man for the job at the time I mean it's interesting you say that because we actually I mean Mark Warburton was at Brentford 
and uh, we knew that he was going to be leaving Brentford and I said to him because we had a very good relationship with Mark Warburton and spoke to him a lot and we've talked to him a little bit because we're going to talk about Mark Warburton a lot but we actually asked him at the time are you going to go to QPR? He says, no, I'm not going to keep your bill. He said, you're not going to go to Fulham, are you? No, I'm not going to go to Fulham. And he ended up going off and he went off to Rangers and did what he had to do. But it was a fear of mine because it was my biggest fear at the time when we were doing so well and Mark Warburton was going to leave. And I thought, for you to go to keep your on Fulham, it was just it was like putting a dagger through the heart. And thank God he went off to Rangers and, and things happened there that, weren't, that didn't go particularly well for him. But we talk about that a little bit later, that he's come back. But... Just coming back to, you know, you talked about the strengths as well. On the, on the flip side of it, there are still some weaknesses that QBO have got. Things like, you know, on the counter-attack, you're not too great. You're obviously letting goals. You've not actually had a clean sheet all season. So you're not great at defending counter-attacks. Um, yeah, you, you, you give away fouls in, in dangerous areas as well. You're not great at protecting the lead. You've, uh, you know, defending against attacks down the wings as well. You're not, you're not great again. And against long shots as well, you're not great because you're a goalkeeper as well. If you look at the, the stats that they get, he's not, he doesn't get... You know, he's not a Smithies, you know, as we say, who we used to take the piss out of, but we actually thought he was a half-decent keeper. Your new keeper isn't the best keeper in the championship at the moment now. So I'm just wondering, this is obviously work that Warburton's got to do, but also it's it's causing you a few problems, isn't it? There's an air of naivety about the team. Um, You know, our last decent, half-decent gaffer, love him or love him, was Warnock. And he built a team around Adele Tarab, but he had likes of Sean Terry and Clint Hill, who you may know, um, as, as the fulcrum of that team, as, a, as the grit. And we haven't got that at the moment. We've got a very soft underbelly. So if you go at the heart of Rangers, you're going to get success. We, you, so you mentioned about the keeper. We actually don't know who's our better keeper in Lumley and Kelly. Kelly, I mean, Scottish goalkeepers have been vilified over the years, and Kelly just looks like another one of those, really. He looks like a mad Scotsman who just all over the place coming out lows not, and just being all everywhere so Lumley's been dropped and I don't think he knows who he wants in there We only, Kelly was our only signing 50 grand in the summer that's all we spent so it shows it's not about the money it's about the personnel and it's about what you do with them but we, you know Barbet as well who I think you know um, fantastic on the ball positioning decision making we had one red car from him cut the penalties it's not really breeding that steel and that defensive unit that you kind of need to finish in the top six. You know, we've got a negative, we've got a zero goal difference, we've no clean sheets, it's all very well documented. We've got Ryan Manning at left back. Ryan Manning's not a left back. Ryan Manning's a centre mid that's been put in there because Lee Wallace, who we got from Rangers, who Warburton knew, has not had one minute of game time. So it's really interesting. We've had some, the signings haven't really done that well. You know, we've got the Mark Pews, the Todd Canes. They haven't really set the world alight. It's been actually what he's done with the existing personnel, the Ryan Mannings of this world, you know, the Easies, the Bright S.A. Samuels, the Elias Chairs. Um, it's what he's done with those guys that has actually made a difference. So um, we have, don't go at us too hard down the middle because you'll probably get success. And for a team that wants to play football and get on the football and be brave, great to see. We love to see that. But you actually need technically the centre mid to do it. And I think, again, there's, he's got uh, Jeff Cameron playing in there, coming to the end of his career. He's had Don Ball. And Luke Amos from Spurs on loan, who we have big hopes for. Just that he's been injured. He hasn't really done it yet. So he doesn't know who he wants to play in there as the one or the two. And it's, that's a big problem for us. Because for me, centre mid is where you drive the team from. And I remember when we used to play your boys, when you used to have Ryan Woods in there. And it always used to be a bloody nightmare because he always has a... He's have a worldie against us. And we haven't got that type of character in there or that someone... We don't know... He doesn't know 
his best. And I feel that Redding's a perfect example. Chopped and changed just for the sake of chopping and changing and trying to be a little bit too clever. You know, and he doesn't need to. He knows that he's seen what's worked. Stick with that. Don't start going 4-4-2 because you want to get Hugo and Wells in there. So there has been great stuff from him, but there's still some questions out around tactics, formation and substitutions as well. Listen, so, look, I mean, we've naturally we've come on to talk about Mark Warburton now. There was a really interesting interview with Mark Warburton, The Athletic, a couple of weeks ago. We, we read it. We were going to do it on the podcast a few weeks ago. And we just thought, actually, it may be better to leave it to today because uh, it talked about Warburton... And, 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 and it discussed his time at QPR. It's discussed how, you know, I think QPR, as you said there, thought he's been a bit of a revelation. He's changed a number of things. He's changed a lot of things with the ethos, particularly on the playing side of, uh, of QPR. And uh, QPR fans who were, they thought he could be all right. There was a bit of a question mark about him because obviously he had a bit of a checkered history after he went to Rangers and things were happening there, which, you know, went down and then Nottingham Forest. But he's come out and I think QPR fans are very happy in particular if you actually pit him against a few of the managers that you've had fairly recently. Now, obviously, Mark Warburton was at Brentford. He's a manager that we absolutely loved at Brentford. We had a very, very, very good relationship to him. We used to speak to him all the time on the phone. We used to go down there in the office, he used to take us out. We chatted to Mark like more than any other manager that we've spoken at Brentford. So we, we know Mark very well. And, and I think it would be fair to say that we were also... Um, didn't want him to leave at the time we didn't think we'd leave we actually tried to get it all patched up at the time but it was too far gone with the things that had happened uh, behind the scenes at Brentford and we had to move on and basically become the new Brentford the Brentford that we know and Mark Warburton had moved on and I'm not sitting down there going off to swag Mark Warburton off or anything like that it, whatever has happened has happened he's gone on and done his own thing and I think he's learned probably from a lot of the mistakes that he's made and we've gone on and we've done our own thing and what I think is also quite good to do is I think Mark Warburton and we can see this interview that he's actually tipped his hat a lot to Brentford and I think I saw an interview that Mark Warburton said that he said you know uh, I made quite a few mistakes and I did a few things that maybe I shouldn't have done at Brentford and if I'd done those things I would probably be manager now because he's obviously looked at Dean Smith and Dean Smith basically just did what he had to do he carried on doing what he had to do. He helped um, Matthew Benham out at a time then he was in, you know, that he needed a team to, to, to build and just, 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 to, just, to, just to do the right thing, help to build the players out, not to try and be too clever behind the scenes and try to go against the grain. So Dean Smith did the right things and eventually he's now managing a team who is doing you know, fairly well in the Premier League and Dean Smith deserves to be where he's at and I tip me out to him very well, but... He sat his time out and he had his runs of, you know, games where he never won games and we thought the tactics were dodgy and we weren't quite sure if he's the right manager. But it doesn't matter. He's got himself in a position now. Personally, I think that Mark Warburton could have been in the same position if he could stuck with us and done the right things and actually was a Brentford manager and actually kind of had his heart in Brentford as opposed to what I believe wanted to do his own thing and did the Mark Warburton thing and it's a shame because like I said to you I really liked him had a good relationship but listen to what he says I think he regrets what he's had to say he's dished the baggage which is his back team which he had before he took with him everywhere and that kind of didn't do him any favours I have to be quite honest with you and I think he knows that now so he's come to QPR on his own so he can concentrate on what he's very good at which is coaching players coaching long players and bring them through and he's obviously doing a very good job Mark Warburton, Laney. Is he the only manager to ever manage Glasgow Rangers and Queen's Park Rangers? There's a question. Hately, Hately didn't manage both of them. Talk about Hately. We're friends at the moment. So um, Mark Warburton, he 
is someone that, as I said earlier, is someone that's always going to be close to our hearts. And you'd want him to do pretty much, because of what he achieved at Brentford, you want him to do well anywhere apart from probably Fulham and, and QPR, to be honest. Um, and there was talk of him going to QPR when, you know, when the, the, you know, the nuclear bomber drops after the Leeds game when we found out that Warbs wasn't going to be you know, the, the manager for the next season and he'd agreed to stay there for the remainder of that first season in the championship. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, come, it's come full circle. You get, you, you, it's clear with Mark Warburton, he's, he's a fantastic coach. And if you take the shenanigans and the other, you know, the, the back, the backstory away from what's ha- what's happened at Forest and what's happened at, uh, at Glasgow Rangers away from him, then you know he's he's, re- he's reinventing himself uh, at QPR, and you know you, you wish him well, really. Uh, obviously, you don't. I don't wish him well on Monday night. Uh, obviously, I, I don't really want to speak in cliches tonight because I think. You know, I think our QPR guest has come on and he's been he's been really um, entertaining and knowledgeable, and he's spoken brilliantly about his club and and about the championship. So it's not about petty point scoring tonight, but you know, Warbs he, he he's come back to Brentford already once with Forest and he's beaten us for free. Um, we you know he's moving on with his career. We've moved on. He's moved on. We'll always thank him for that. You know for taking us up and and you know um, for carrying the baton after Uwe Rosler left for Wigan. But you know I, I, I'm, I haven't got I haven't got a lot of energy for kind of like wallowing in nostalgia too much to be honest. It's interesting coming back to this uh, this article as well because I mean I, I spoke to. Gareth, when Warburton first got the job, and you know, I gave a little bit of background as to exactly where we were at with him, what he'd done um, for Brentford, what he'd done in and around outside, the things that he'd done which he probably shouldn't have done um, in other teams, and how that could have may have uh, let him down. You know, detracting from his coaching side of things, and what keep you looking for. And I remember you said to me at the time, you know. You ain't going to get away with that here. At the end of the day, we need a coach. We need somebody who's going to do it on the pitch. You know, Les Ferdinand picks the players. He's the ones that, you know, chooses the players. Okay, he might talk to the head coach about that, but he's in charge of that. So you haven't got the Frank McClarland and all these other people throwing their oar in there and kind of making it a little bit murky. It's very, very clear at QBR, which we were glad with. But what I thought was quite interesting, there's a couple of things here. Warburton talked about how he had learned a lot from Brentford. Okay, in this article as well. So he talked about the fact that he, um, 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 you know, possession is an irre- irrelevant stat. The fact that it's great having, you know, having a thousand passes, but you don't want to have a thousand passes. You've got to be incisive. You've got to actually do things with it. He also talked about the fact that he learned from Matthew Benham about, you know, where players should be taking shots on the pitch. So he just said, you know, and this, you know, we talk about it again, this whole XG thing. He goes, I don't really want players taking shots from 30 or 35 yards because for every one goal that you score, People don't actually remember the sort of the 15 or 20 goals they go, you know, over the crossbar or go completely wide. So it's quite interesting. But he actually quoted saying, you know, I learnt a lot from Matthew Benham, whereas the thoughts are afterwards, and it's quite true afterwards, is that a lot of the things that Brentford had and were doing 
were actually rejected by Mark Warburton at the time. You know, the players, the players that we're choosing on stats and everything like that. You know, he, he, he rejected those, and it's almost like he's had time for reflection to think actually what we were doing is quite good. We've proven what we've done is quite good by the players that we've brought through and then the methods that we're using. He's been out of work doing his punditry and looked at us, and he's given us a little bit of a tip of the hat. So I'm saying to you, can you see a bit of Brentford in QBR? <laughs> Well, that is a loaded statement, a loaded question, that one, isn't it? Um, listen, listen. I think, <laughs> I think for QPR fans, that the, you know, the, the honest fans. No, no, listen, the honest fans. <laughs> yeah, that was below the belt, wasn't it? I think that we've looked, you know, and I'll be honest with you, in admiration of how you've gone about your business. Why would we not? Why would we not look at you as a football club and think, well, there's a model that we need to to mirror in some respects and there's been some jealousy especially how you've traded you know our players have come in and the, and the money you've got I mean one big bugbear for QPR going back to the days of Trevor Sinclair QPR have never got the money they should have got for the players for whatever reason mismanagement bad infrastructure whatever it is that doesn't happen at Brentford under Benham and we've looked and we thought well that's you know that's what we want to get to whether we're seeing that in the playing style now, I think, yeah, you're right. When Warburton was at Brentford, I think people were talking about him and Paul Clement. You know, we, we wanted somebody at the club that was going to implement what we call a QPR style, which is a load of BS, really. But we want to see the ball on the floor, you know, and we want to see attacking teams and the Stanley Bowles, the Rodney Marshes, that sort of stuff. That's what we're, we like to think we're about. And if Warburton's brought that in from Brentford, then so be it, you know. Okay, but it's interesting you say this, and I'm going to say this point, I'm going to bring the XG Dave into this in a little bit, but as you're talking about the style that he's had, they said in here, he is not a plan B manager, he is a plan A perfectionist, right? We've talked about, you know, and he said about, we only do plan A better. At Rangers, they said the same thing. At, 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 at Nottingham Forest, they said the same thing, which basically means, when it ain't working, he keeps on just banging his head on doing the same thing, as opposed to flipping the script. It frustrated the hell out of us because it was great when it's working, but it wasn't. It went horribly downhill. Um, what's it like at Gibeo? I think he has tried to do different formations at least. He's played three at the back, he's played four at the back, one in midfield, two midfield. I don't always... I feel he's going to do playing out from the back, come what may. Whatever happens, if they press you high, whatever happens, he's going to do it. Now, he played Wells and Hugo against Reading last night, and the only reason you have Jordan Hugo on the pitch is if you're going to go more direct... And we didn't do it. So he was a little bit redundant. Jordan Hugo's not a player that you're going to get the ball to feet. So you wonder why he's done that. And is he just trying to change it up for the sake of changing it? You know, as he, as he learned. I think he has gone through a learning process. What we talked about, Billy, before he came in. This plan A stuff. It's a kind of, it's stuck with him, isn't it? It's like McLaren, Wally, LeBroly. We do plan A better. That's, that's what it's stuck with Warburton. But I do feel that he's gone through a bit of a process from his time at Glasgow Rangers and Forest. And we've got, a little bit maybe of a bit more of a progressive Mark Warburton who is trying, who is going to try and do different things um, so I hope that's the case he's done it with the formations not necessarily the tactics uh, he wants to outscore teams um, but I think in the tactics uh, formation wise he has tried different things what we've seen so far My problem with Mark Warburton at QPR is he stopped Rangers becoming a laughing stock and, and, and I've got a problem with that um, you know, any, any any sort of rabid listeners of Atletico Mints, which is the, uh, the you know the Reeves and Mortimer, the Mortimer po- um, a, a podcast, will know that um, Tony Fernandez and uh, Steve McLaren got 
brilliant, brilliant parodies on on that. And he's not he's not gonna he's not gonna do it. He's not gonna do it for Mark Warburton. Even even Ian Holloway get gets kind of like uh, cursory kind of impersonation. So you know, it, it, Warbs has made QPR a bit more respectable, and, and I've got a problem with that. Listen, I mean, listen. It's also interesting as well because <laughs> um, QPR have actually got the fourth highest possession stats in the in the championship. So we're talking about keeping the ball. You know, fifty four percent. Right, they've got possession stats, so they keep the ball. I mean, he says, OK, you don't want possession alone. You know, you don't want to make a 1,000 passes for the sake of it per game. It's an irrelevant stat. But still, this is what they're playing. So, XG, Dave, do you think this is going to play into our hands? Uh, I do, yeah. I think, actually, QPR will. So, brilliant listening to Gareth, because he's just giving us an insight in, like, our history and where we've come from and why we're so glad we've moved on from that. But, no, no it's fa- it is fantastic to listen to. Um I think QPR are showing signs of... They're just showing signs of wars, basically. Attacking-wise, they're fantastic and they look really, really vibrant. Um, quite hard to stop, and I think they've got a lot of ideas going forwards. And I think a lot... That's Really, that's Warbs' idea about the game. He wrote it in the Athletic piece, spoke about it. It was Jack Pitt Brook, wasn't it, but he, that did that piece. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was, it was just talking about him and how much, how much he just believes in creating chances, shooting trying to get goals and out shooting the opposition there's not a single word about defending in there or there's not a single word about stopping the opposition or thinking about what the opposition is going to do so it's re- it is really brilliant to hear how like excited Gareth is and how much like Warb sort of comes in and he knows really he knows how to make the place vibrant he knows how to make it exciting but yeah I, I think I think I remember doing a piece don't be too well just say what you're going to say don't, don't because if you say you want to say something there's a but coming yeah uh, well I think I think he's a nightmare in the long term. I think in the long term, I think you're, you're going to be like, yeah, I think we should move on because he's only got one idea of playing and I think Gareth mentioned about sort of trying to tweak it at the back. But if you looked at Barbe for the last 12 months like us, he had his best time on the left back of a three. The reason you play three centre-backs is because he can't defend on, in a two. He can't defend on his own. So already Warbs has kind of gone against that and the evidence is there. You've got a full season of video, data. We can all see it. We all know it. We've watched it. So he's kind of going against that. So there's... There's going to be a time where your goals dry up. You aren't going to score. You're going to keep creating and you're like, what's going to happen? But you're still conceding two goals, three goals a game. So you're losing 3-0 each week. So taking it back to Thomas Frank, this is why Thomas Frank's so great. But I think that's what you've got to look at Warbs. He says, Gareth says Warbs has learned a little bit. I'm not sure he has because I've sort of seen all the goals they conceded. A lot of them are from set pieces. The Reading one last night was a high line and they just got done and there's a one-on-one. You, you can kind of see the things creeping in. And it's so, so, so you're thinking that basically, I'm just going to say, so you're saying the same things that we yeah. saw at Brentford are continuing at QPR, is that yeah, what you're saying? I, I, I mean, not the positives, but also the negatives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the positives are great. I mean, you, we can see the positives attacking-wise. They're scoring goals. are really exciting to watch for. But you can see defensively that the actual focus isn't there. The work on set pieces isn't there. You can see they can see goals from corners quite a lot. Um, they're just you can see that flogging Barbe a little bit away and you want to, you want to get numbers around Barbe. You don't want him isolated, you don't want him one v one and you can kind of see it already happening. So has he learned maybe he has learned some things, but I don't think he's learned the real killer thing and that is the defensive side of the game. That's what's gonna get you that's probably what's gonna see you through at the end of the season. So QPR remind me of one of those like very rare lilies that you get at Kew Gardens where they only flower once every twenty or thirty years. And you have to go through this kind of really laborious pollination. And then when they actually do flower, it stink as shit. 
Okay, well, I don't. Again, it's not necessarily, not necessarily the case. There's an interesting lady. She's had a few, <laughs> interesting theory there. But we should move on for that. Yeah, that's it. We've got, we got my man here. He's sitting around there having a few beers with us, like you know what I'm saying, even though we have had to open the fence to talk to him and uh, open the fence to come back to, to see exactly what he's got to say. Look, interesting. Um, and coming back to that as well, they said, um, you know, a speculative shot from 35s is not a chance, Warburton says. Players like Ezzy and Chair have been told not to, to try their luck from distance. I learned a lot from Matthew Benham from a mathematical perspective. Where is the chance? What's the probability of scoring? Shooting from 35 yards out, you always remember the one that screams in, but you don't remember the 99 that end up in row Z or X. That's the truth of it. And basically, apparently, like I said, he they started off and they were shooting from we looked at that Swansea game and a lot of the shots were like from 30 35 yards you can see loads of them but apparently you said that recently that QPR um, he sort of tried to nail it down a little bit so that you're actually a lot less kind of frantic with your shooting you're actually trying to create chances within the box that's that Swansea game is a perfect example Bill I think we had 21 shots that night five on target you you know you played them last night you had 14 shots seven on target so you know, the stats tell you there enough about, you know, what happens when you get shots on target. But I, d- I don't know about all this, like, you should only be shooting 25 yards. And that football is a, it's a free-flowing game. It's a creative game. We, we uh, considered going to Luton, a fella score from 40 yards because Lumley messed up. And he's looked up and he's, and he's shot from 40 yards because the keeper's not in the goal. You can say, no, don't shoot from there, mate. You've got a chance of scoring from there. Go, go a little bit closer. It's a reactive game, isn't it? You, you react to the picture in front of you and the picture's never the same. And you have to look what's in there. So, I don't know. I mean, we had Elias Chair in the first team now embedded. All right, League Two, Stephen Edge, scoring goals from absolutely everywhere. I mean, he, he did his own goal of the season competition down there. Probably not hard at Stephen Edge, to be fair. But, you know, he's coming now. And it's like, are we restricting him? Are we, are we playing in this, like, really contained manner that is going to stop these players having the freedom to do that? I hope not, because football isn't that easy to box off when we're talking about XG and stuff like that but there's always a sense to a game you know if someone has a shot and smash against the bar and you're a defender against that you suddenly think oh actually hang on a minute they're putting it on us a little bit here doesn't matter it goes in or out it's the fact of the psychology around that so I don't think it can be that prescriptive and that confined to like we're going to do boxes in training you're going to shoot 18 to 16 yards I think that's all a little bit of you know a bit rubbish really which is but I think and I hear what you're saying I don't think the flip side if you listen to Pride of West Dot London our interview with Rasmus Ankerson as we say the Brentford director of football who's well up in the whole stats and everything like that and we brought that to him and what he said actually because we said we scored a couple of goals which were very low XG outside the area and he said you just got to mix and match it up a little bit you just have to see you go with the flow. Like I said to you in Swansea, we scored a couple of goals from way outside the area and there were goals that technically you shouldn't have done if you were meant to be a team walking to the back of the area. And we said this from a while. We think as Brentford, we've been spending too much time, a lot of the time, trying to walk the ball into the back of the net, trying to score the perfect goal. And sometimes you never know if you have a bit of a shot from 18 yards, it's somebody's arse deflects and goes off into the back of the net. So that's going to happen. If you keep doing that every time without actually creating the perfect chances, then it gets frustrating if you don't score. Because the chances of you scoring are going to be quite low. But every time, if you could actually mix and match it, and I think that's what the key is going to be. But listen, let's just talk a little bit about free flow because now we've got QPR, we're playing them on Saturday. Um, Saturday, we're not playing them on Saturday, we're just going to be chilling out on Saturday, so used to. We played them on Monday, and uh, I don't know, between the two sides, would you say we've, we've probably had the upper hand over QPR over the two, si- the, two, the two seasons? I mean, 
I think I think we've definitely had the upper end over the couple of over the, over the last what four five, four or five seasons that we played them. Don't, don't don't you think so, lady? I mean, we had the it's. The, the, I mean, the, okay. The season that they actually came back from two 0 down, keep yard to draw two all, it feels like a, a loss to us. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like we ticked that off as, as one loss. We had the three 0 loss, which was a nightmare in Dean Smith's first season, which that kind of went down really badly. And I think was it last season to be a loftus road. It's been pretty even, Stevens. If I'm honest, you know that we we've had a couple of draws, we've had a couple of defeats, we've had a couple of wins. Uh, on at Griffin Park, we've got we've got the you know the upper hand clearly. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm just delighted that we go into this game on Monday night and we're not you know looking down the barrel of two defeats, which you know we, we could have been ten, ten minutes, fifteen minutes before the end of the Millwall game. So we, we go in there, we go we go we go to Loftus Road on on Monday night with uh, with with a decent amount of spirit. And a decent amount of confidence, if I'm honest with you. So, I, I, I didn't, I didn't expect that with 20 minutes to go on Saturday, and that just shows it shows you how how mental football really is. You know, you know, what, you know. I'm not being funny. I'm not. I know. What you know? What do we know? You know, and what does anyone know? What does any coach know? What does any player know? The the, the matches play out and they finish. And you, you can't you can't necessarily predict what's going to happen. No one in the world would have said we were going to win three two last Saturday, and then you know and it, and it flips it all up. You know we've had, we've had we've had this little period in between the international breaks turned on its head. It's like one of those little snowflake things. You know it, it's been properly messed up, and we we are now looking uh, the real deal. And uh, and and anything you know, we, but we we knew we could be. But we, we weren't quite sure how we were going to get to be the real deal, and you know, it, and, it, and it may have, it, you know, ironically, it may have been through Canos's injury, it may have been through Corellis's injury. I mean, hopefully they're back really quick. I don't, I don't want any of them individually to be in pain. But sometimes you mix it up and you get a different, you get get, get a different outcome, and we got a different outcome. So uh, bring on Monday, bring it on Monday, and like I said, psychologically. Um, We've got a situation where we're playing QPR on Saturday, and uh, yeah, just absolutely flip the script here on this one because I was so, so excited about the game on <laughs> said Saturday on Monday. Um, a, little, a little bit nervous because, like I said to you, winning two games and winning two games in a row for Brentford, winning three games makes such a difference because we talked about in the podcast. Well, before the last international break, we thought how many points we were going to get. We thought, you know, 10, 11, 12. We thought we were going to get 12 out of 15 points, and it never happened. We got five, and very disappointed. So everyone went on the download this one, and everyone said we're going to get four, five or six points out of 15 this time. We were very close to getting zero. Boom, Millwall game, flipped the script, seven minutes to go. We ended up getting three points. Then the Swansea, we thought no one thought we were going to get. Some people thought if we get a point, they would be lucky. We've got another point. So we've got six points already so far. This goes to show you how important this QPR game is, how important momentum is, and also the players, you know, they've got to be up for it, you know, and if the players are down, it definitely makes a difference to this game. So, silly question, but how important is this QPR game? Oh, it's huge. Uh, it's huge, not because it's QPR, actually, for, for, for a change. It's just huge that we, we've actually backed up a win with another win, and we can then back up two wins with a third win. And, and it, it wouldn't have mattered whether it's QPR or Cardiff or, or whoever it was. You know, it's important that we just we keep pushing on. And the players are going to be rabid. 
I've got to say this as well, so I've got to come back to the point of listening. It's really interesting because you talked about Rasmus and how he says that we need to kind of filter a load of shit out, basically, so that the right information comes through. We're playing QPR next Monday. You say it's so important that we win this match. However, you know, people were sort of saying, you know, even, even a week before, even before the Millwall game, you know, if we lose against QPR, it's all over. Thomas Crank has got to be sacked. It's all over. And you focused on that QPR game. Whereas in a strange way, it's kind of like, why is it the QPR game? Why is it not the Swansea game? Or why is it not the Huddersfield game? Why is it not the Wigan game afterwards? But QPR has almost got a factor that it's because it's QPR. Like when, when Dean Smith, when we lost against QPR, everyone, he's got to go. It's disgraceful because it's QPR. There's a sort of mentality to say that, you know, against QPR, we have to perform over and above. And don't you think it's a... I'm just wondering... Yeah, but you know, the, the the game's gone. We all know that, but it, it, it can't it can't be gone so much as the fans can't want to, you know, win their their local derby. You know, to the players, three points is three points. Who, whoever you get them against, but you know, you you you, you know, I'm I'm not going to say that you know they're so professional that it doesn't really. It's just another game to them. You don't ever want this to be just another game. It's not. It's not the. You know, it's clearly not. Rangers Celtic, it's not Liverpool Everton, it's not Galatasaray and Fenerbahce, it's you know, it's, it's Brentford QPR and you know, it's, it's an important match and you want our players to be up for it and I'm sure they will be and they, they are going to be because you know, some of, the play, some of the football they were playing last night was just beautiful and they're not going to go, I hope they're not going to go from that back to you know, what we saw at Preston so we're, we're, we're on the up and uh, it's, it's a good time to be playing QPR. That they will be up for it, and it, it does matter. Yeah. Listen, actually, Dave, just briefly, just give us a little SP. I mean, Brentford fans, what they may think, but also QPR fans that be listening. You know, what should we be looking out for? Brentford players, who they should be looking out for, and how they're going to sort of adapt to this game and also terrorise <laughs> the QPR defence. Us terrorising the QPR defence, I think, and also defend well. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> um, I think Ben Rama's hit a bit of form. He's really sort of picked himself up. I think the last few games he's been coming, and I think uh, Swansea, we kind of saw a little bit what he can do, really confident again and a bit of output. I think Watkins is a, uh, Watkins has done really well. There's a lot of people moaning about Watkins, but I think he's done solid up there. We've been a bit more direct with him, just get the ball up to him, and he can hold it up and bring others into plays. So he's been really impressive. I think it's Josh De Silva as well. I really like him in the middle of like big, big and strong, and can just sort of drive that ball forward, create chances from anywhere. So there's a few things they've got to be wary about. I think. I'd, uh, yeah, I think if there if there if there's any openness from QPR, if they are a little bit fallible there, we're going to get straight through them and we're going to probably hurt them. So it might suit us that we're away from home as well. Sit deep, let them come on to us exactly how Wolves wants, and then hit them really hard on the counter. And also the other thing is that QPR they get the big bubbles in the middle of the goal, as we say. Try not to talk about the XG, but we're saying they create good chances. They put the ball in the back, in the middle of the areas and the places where they potentially can cause some good goals, which means that this is actually going to be could be an interesting test for us because they can score goals. So we keep talking about how our defence is really strong and uh, this is going to be a big test for Pontus Janssen and co. Huge test, huge test. We know Izzy's been really good for them. Um, he's been sort of one of their ones that have... They've been on the end of some of these big chances, but this is what this is the sort of side we've built now to soak up these teams that can create against us, and we can sort of funnel them wide or funnel them into areas where we've got players, and look to yeah look to hit them on the break. I don't think we'll take the game to them. I don't think we'll do that. We'll, we'll let them come on to us, and we'll let Warbs try and get them to run out of steam. But it will be us soaking up pressure with a juvenated Jean-Vier. Jean-Vier looking solid against Pontus uh, next to Pontus now. I think soak a bit of pressure up, and then 
and then hit them on the break. I can see us doing really well. And listen, Gareth, as well, QPR playing the Bees here on Monday night as well. You've talked about quite a few of your key players, like your Rezzy, your Mannings, your Narky Wells. What are you going to do to take it to the Bees of, of offensively and also defensively, do you reckon? And how are you going to combat, well, the mighty, mighty Bees? <laughs> well, I'll be at Kew Gardens anyway, so I won't be at a game. But um, <laughs> I think, for, I mean, everyone knows that Ibir Eze is a supreme talent and he's probably not going to be at Rangers for long and if you stop him playing then that's what you need to do I think he's got goals and assists this year Hugel's not around from the booking that he got last night against Reading Wells has been a different player since he's come back on loan again so I think it's quite clear actually if you stop easy playing you, you probably have the better of it Ilias Chair's a great talent in the same ilk and mould of a beach easy, but um, he's not as experienced yet. You know, he's done his, he's been cutting his teeth in League Two, and he's done well this year, but he's not that threat. You know, he's not getting the highlights, and he's only got one goal in the League Cup. So you stop easy, you stop the ball getting to him, um, and you'll probably have a good night if you let him have free reign, which teams aren't doing now because he's a known force. So teams are known; they know who he is, so they're marking him up, and he's not getting the ball as much. Defensively. Um, Listen, I said it earlier, I think our centre mids is where our goalkeepers are getting a lot of bad press, our, our barbés, our licensers are getting bad press, but it's actually stopping the ball getting into them situations and I don't think we've got that tenacity to do that. I'm talking about what this means as a derby and that. And I, you know, I think the last time we beat at Griffin Park was like, the, you know, Bircham scored, I think it was the Bircham game. There is no Mark Bircham, there is no Martin Rowlands, there is no Lee Cooks. There is no Stephen Hunt, there is no you know, J-Tabs. And I wonder sometimes, how much does this actually mean to the players? You know, I think there's only so much you can do from a fan's perspective, manager's perspective, say, this is an important game, but this is alien to some of them. You know, they ain't, they ain't local boys, you know, and uh, it'll be interesting to see because I'm worrying about that bare pit attitude and that atmosphere to come into because it's not going to be there. I'll tell you that now, it's not going to be there because it, 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 it's not going to be there from the fans, I don't think. Um, and I don't think it's going to be there from the players. Um, so it'll be interesting in terms of, as a derby, what it means and how it translates from the stands onto the pitch and how people pick up on that as well. I think without, without Sergio Canos, actually, maybe it loses a little bit more as well because I think, I think he, he'll be one that will be like, he'll be really up for it. I, I'm not sure who else, on, from a Brentford Brentford perspective, has got that kind of fire in the belly about the fixture. If I'm, if I'm honest, I mean, I, I, I think that it will be said this is a bit, this is an important one. But is it any more or less important to the players than going to Leeds or, or going to Charlton? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I think that's a valid point. I mean, it's interesting you say that. I mean, uh, Camo Macocho's interview after the, the Swansea game, and when he talked about it, he talked about the QPR game, and he sort of smiled when he says, "Yeah, I know this is a big one." I mean, I know Cameron's really cool, so when you say to me, he is really cool, so he doesn't get fired up anyway. But um, you really want to know, actually, if the players are getting fired up, because he kind of said, it, yeah, we know we need to win this game because it's a big game. And he kind of sort of smiled and said it, but you, you, you're sort of thinking, no, 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 you, you need to have the eyes popping out and the foam from your mouth when you're talking about this game. And it, it just wasn't quite there, was it? So listen, but listen, I'm going to go around the table here because we've had a good old chat here in the Hercules in SE1, right opposite Lambeth North Station. You come on, this is wicked. They're doing the shuffleboard. There's all sorts of shuffleboard action going on here as uh, people have been here all night. You heard them the partying all night on a, on a Wednesday night as well. Fair play to them. We'll have a quick score prediction going around the table to see what people are going to say. Bees keep you on Monday night, Laney. 3-1 Bees. Lexi J. 3-2 Bees.
Oh, wow. We got the Gareth from the Ranger things. I'm going to go one all. I think it's going to be tight and it'll be a goal in each half and it'll be even to be all and it'll be done. Two one Bs. So there you go. You got it. A little bit of confidence. It's amazing what two wins does for you. I do have to say, someone, someone's actually taken this seriously and actually gone with their gone with their head. Right. We, we, we've just said Brentford going to win and he's been actually honest, which... Fair play, I think he's been honest all night. That's right, total honesty from the Rangers camp. We're going to lock him back in that cage now and he can't talk <laughs> anymore, which is all good. That's right. But listen, this will be sorted, Brother West London Podcast. Thanks for listening to us. There will be no radio show on Monday because we will be at a football match for Watch's QBR versus Brentford. It's on Sky TV if you don't want to go or you don't want to pay the big money for the £34 tickets up, up top that you can't see anything. But if you are paying the money, come down. There's lots of pubs in the area that won't let you in. And if you're lucky, you'll find a, you'll find a few pubs that will let you in. We'll be in one of them somewhere or the other as well. But this is the Besotted Crew. Myself, I'm Laney. I'm actually Dave. I'm from Gareth from Ranger Things. My name's Billy Grant here. We're in the Hercules and we're inside. Come on, you beast. <laughs> Come on, you ours. Uh, listen to that. We let, him get, we let him get away with that one, didn't you? I was saying. Horsey, horsey. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.